Okay, I'm just sharing with you that I may be a little teary today, and that's unusual for me, and a little not well put together. And that's because it was 11 years that my wife and I tried to have kids, and then the Lord let us have two little ones, and they both are getting baptized today. And I know, no, that, that, that's, uh, you can clap for me, I know, thank you. No, 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 no. no. No, but for, for that, I mean, it's one of the, the biggest days of my life, I feel like, that I get to see my kids, who I adore, say, I want to be associated with Jesus. And so, uh, yeah, I guess my heart for us is that we all would have that. We all would. We'd have that amazing assurance and joy that the Lord is ours, that we're in him, that the gospel's true, that we, we are a people who just say we're free because of Jesus. I want that for you. I want us to walk in the freedom and joy. And this church has been about that. We, we go through the scriptures and we show how the message of this word is true. It's the truth. The gospel, the good news. Jesus has done it all. And we respond to him. And, and we've spent a year and a half in the, in the New Testament looking at that. We looked at James. We looked at Hebrews. We've been through different parts of the New Testament. There is often, for Christians, something that tends to rob our assurance. And it tends to take away from our steady, steadfast leaning on the arms of our God. For some of us, it's actually found mostly in the Old Testament. And we see the message of the New Testament in Christ. But we look at the Old Testament and we say, what principles do I have to take and do? What are the things that I have to make sure I do to stay in the favor of this God? And because of how we think of the Old Testament, and it seems sort of dry and out there, but there seems to be things in there that don't follow exactly the message of the New Testament. And so we get discouraged, or we get confused, or we start after the principalization of our life. And so it's important for us. We're starting a, a new book today, and it's the Old Testament. We're going into Joshua, in case you couldn't read. <laughs> there it is, <laughs> Joshua. My hope is that you would see, that you would walk away encouraged, assured, exhorted that the gospel's true. And that the message of the Bible is the Bible's message, not just the New Testament against the Old Testament or something like that, but all the way through the steady assurance, the wondrous God. You know, we sing songs to him like it's well with our soul or how firm a foundation, but we have a God and he is awesome. And much of what we know of him is from the Old Testament. And so we are doing Joshua. So if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we're going to start in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to go all the way through, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. But but I don't know how familiar you are, so let me give you a walk into it. Let me give you the story. You realize the Bible is about a story, and you're part of it. You're in this story. So here's the story, and I want to pick up not just with creation in the beginning, but really when God decided to make a people, and he chose one man, Abram. And it's there in the middle of Genesis, early on in Genesis. And this man was not some bigwig. He is now Father Abraham. He was nobody from some nobody place named Ur. Where's Ur? I don't know. 
The Lord brought him out. The Lord said, I'm going to make of you a people. You're going to be a nation. I'm going to give you a land, and you're going to bless all the nations of the earth. God began to do that. We have a God, this amazing being. Abraham's great-grandson, sold into slavery. You know his name. It's Joseph. And when he was sold into slavery, he went to the one of the world's meccas, Egypt, and there in slavery he rose to be powerful and he brought down all of his family and, and there they began to multiply. And the Egyptians, as they multiplied there in Egypt, looked at these this family of Abraham and began to get worried. There were so many of them and so made them slaves, all of them. And the story of this first five books of the Bible is very much the story of Exodus when God took his people and redeemed them. And Moses led them out into the wilderness, and there at Mount Sinai he got the law. But it's not just the law. God, this amazing God, the one you and I call God, dwelt among his people. Dwelt among human beings there in a tabernacle, and there were regulations, and they set it up, and God was there, his presence. You couldn't just walk in, of course, but he was there. And so this promise to Abraham began to be fulfilled and, and you begin to walk through and then God says, okay, I'm taking my people into the land that I promise I'm going to give them. And so you remember how the 10 spies, the 12 spies went out and 10 of them came back and said, no way, that is one giant filled land. And the two of them said, we can do it. And because there was such fear and they had decided not, God said, okay, you're not going in this whole generation. And in, that's in Numbers. And so there they are, wandering. And they wandered for 40 years, going six miles a year. Come on, think about it. I could run six miles in an hour. Well, at one point. A <laughs> couple hours. <laughs> but they did that, just six miles a year for 40 years, wandering around until that whole generation began to die. And even Moses finally died. But there they had gathered in Deuteronomy, which is four speeches of Moses, they gathered on the plains of Moab, ready to go into this land that this amazing God had promised them, but hadn't yet given them. So here we are as we start Joshua. With these people that God has dwelt among, but most of the generation has died, and they're not entering the land. Now the kids, what would they think? Do they get to go in, or will they wander and die in the wilderness too? And on the scene is Joshua. Joshua, you know. This book that we get to go into. It's not history. It's not we're trying to learn history. Let's give you a history lesson this morning. It's not history. This is the first of what's called the prophets. In the Hebrew Bible, there's the law. That's the first five books. That's what I just walked you through in microcosm. And then there's the next books, and they're the prophets. It's preaching material, being from God to the nation of Israel to understand who God is. And through Israel, we also get to understand who is this God? This God that we sing songs to. Joshua. Right? The first five books. I, you you got to understand some of these things. It's really interesting. You know, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, if you look at it in Hebrew, all of them take their name from the first word of the book. 
So the Genesis in Hebrew isn't called Genesis. It's literally called in English, you would say, in the beginning. Because the first word is in the beginning. You probably even know the verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there's in the beginning. Then, then there's Exodus. Exodus is, is, and these are the names, because it starts with a list of names. And, and, and um, Leviticus is, and he called, because the book starts with, and he called. In Numbers, it's in the wilderness, which is very appropriate. There they are. But that's the first word of the book. And in Deuteronomy, these are the words, because they're Moses' words that he spoke. And then there's the book we're starting now, which is the sixth book of the Bible. And it's called Joshua. That is not the first word of the book. Joshua. You don't hear much about him, really. Most of us are very familiar with Moses. But do you know a lot about Joshua? Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know that he was born as a slave in Egypt. He was. He was there. Maybe he was a kid. He was the firstborn of his dad, Nun. Remember what that means? It means that when the angel of death came over and struck the firstborn of every family in Egypt, they had to protect Joshua by painting the the, 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 the doorpost with the blood of a lamb. And therefore, that first son was the Lord's. And they had to redeem him back from the Lord even to have him live. He was one of those 12 spies that went, right? And he was one of the two, he and Caleb, that came back and said, no, we can do this because God has given us the land. He was overruled. He was an assistant to Moses and was always kind of at Moses' side and helping him do things. And he even led a battle once for Moses. Joshua. I think you need to understand, and if you, if you will pull this way with me, my goal this morning is to give you the lenses that you might begin to see in the Old Testament the message of the New Testament too. Not by imposing it, but by examining the text. And that it might encourage you to trust your God. Let's take a look. We'll start with Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. I want to start first with what I'm calling Yahweh's faithfulness. And if you don't know Yahweh, Yahweh is the actual name of God. In your Bibles, when you read it and you look, you might see as you read L-O-R-D in capitals. That's because the writers were so scared to write the name of God that they didn't write the name. They wrote Lord. But Yahweh is his name. Our God, God the Father, and He's faithful. It's important that you see how faithful He is. Okay, chapter 1, verse 1, Joshua, here we go. After the death of Moses, that'll wake you up. The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore now arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Okay, now this sounds pretty normal. Moses dies, and so Joshua takes over, and God's giving him a little pep talk here in chapter 1. But, but I want you to wait and think about this for a minute. There are two million people, we think, out there when this starts. Camped on the plains of Moab, there's two million people who only have had one leader ever. What's his name? Moses. Moses, the man of God. 
Special, special man, this Moses. There was no one like him, right? It's not just that he was part of the royal family. You know, he was the adopted son of Pharaoh. God actually spoke with him. Uh, went up on the mountain, right? The people stayed below. They were too scared. And they sent Moses up. And Moses would come back glowing. Moses was the man. He was the embodiment of God's authority. He brought the Ten Commandments. You didn't... You didn't just speak against him. If you look in Numbers 12, there's this really interesting story. Because Moses had done something maybe not so kosher. He'd taken a wife outside the camp. She was a Cushite woman. And so Miriam, who's Moses' sister, and Aaron, who had a priest, he was the priest, who came and said, you know what? We got something against you, Moses. You know, God, they said, doesn't just speak through you, Moses. He speaks through all of us. And there's this scene that happens there. And, and you had actually God come down in a pillar of cloud. And he said, I speak with my servant Moses mouth to mouth clearly. He is faithful in all my house. Aren't you afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And God right there struck Miriam, who was Moses' sister with leprosy. Why? She just called Moses out. He hadn't done something very good. No, Moses was special. Special. Important man, the first leader they'd known, this special relationship with this scary and powerful and unknowable God. And now he's dead. The visionary, the humblest man alive, the prophet, the leader, gone. It's not just, okay, that's fine. He's gone. Let's keep going. You should see it's an amazing thing. Absolutely incredible. Moses was so key. There in Exodus 32, you remember Exodus 32 when the, when Moses went up and he's up there getting the Ten Commandments that God writes with his finger. That down below the people with Aaron, they were collecting all their jewelry and gold and they were making this golden calf. And there they are playing and worshiping. And here comes Moses down with the the Ten Commandments from God coming down the mountain in Exodus 32, and he sees them worshiping an idol and breaking the covenant already. The people are toast, and he just throws down these tablets, and they splatter all over. And it's not him that's mad. God says, God says, forget these people. I'll kill them all. Moses, I'll make of you a nation. Moses is the last thread by which the whole nation is hanging. And, and Moses says, no, Lord, don't do it. The, the, these are your people. He's like the only, only person there. And he, they get saved and they, they renew the covenant and they make more Ten Commandments. And there they go and off they're running and there they go. But it's Moses who's done it all. You see how it's not just like, oh, yeah, Moses was good. but let's Moses was, was it. <laughs> He's gone. And it's a legitimate question that we see answered as we start our text of, will God... What's, what's the core? Is it, is it a human being? Is it, is it the really faithful man? Or, or is, it, is it that God is faithful? 
is the center God's faithfulness. It's the center God's gift. It's the center what God is doing. And here we have God himself stepping into the, the next generation saying, you know what? It's about my plan. And I made promises. I'm going to have them done. Do, do you see even right here what he says? Here's God. He says here, this is what you're going to do. You're going to arise and go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I am giving them the people of Israel. God's on the move to do what he said he's going to do. He turns to Joshua, he says, arise and go into this land that I'm giving them. It was never about Moses. As awesome and important and and amazing that Moses was, it's not the center, is that he's not. God is. He gets more specific in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea going towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. God says, I give it to you. Me. I know what you're tempted to do. You're tempted to say, Dax, where's the map? Because I want to see where those boundaries are. and Did they actually do it? And how much did they get? You're missing the point. The point of this is how vast it is. God says, here it is, all the way to the river, and all this land over here, and all this over here. You will get it all with lots of static. Because our God is that good. And he emphasizes how, how, how you get it all, everything to the going down of the sun. If your foot goes on it, it's yours. Vast land. And here's more. No man will stand before you all the days of your life. Why? Because just as I was with Moses, God says to Joshua, so I will be with you. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as it was Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. That should sound a little familiar to you. I will never leave you or forsake you. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds a lot like marriage. It's that strong, right? That's God saying to Joshua, never. I'm not forsaking you you ever what do you make of a statement like that is it is it conditional if you're a good person if you do well i'll stick around this this is a very important critical truth about god and our god and it's right here if he says he will stay with you he will There's this whole term that you see pop up all over in the Old Testament. Chesed. It means steadfast love. It means unbreakable love. It means faithful love. And here it is, the character of God. If he says he's with you, he's with you. He doesn't change. His faithfulness, if given, is not broken. If you have him say, I will be with you every moment and every breath, you can take it to the bank. Then he says this. Be strong and courageous, verse 6, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. It's amazing. This is what you and I have to, have to have hammered home in Joshua that we start out with. We need to walk away with this, believing absolutely God is faithful. None of his words fail, not one. 
And he says, hey, this is what's going to happen. You shall cause this people to inhabit the land that I swore to them. You see, I swore back here, and so it's going to happen. And we'll see this emphasized at the end of Joshua. Here's chapter 21, verse 45. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. That's our God. I hope you're there with me. I I don't think it's hard to see. I don't think we disbelieve this. We just have trouble actually living in it. That our God's faithfulness is really... We sing, great is thy faithfulness. But I don't really live it. And so to see, and we'll see in Joshua over and over, that the Lord will fight for His people. The Lord will go before His people. The Lord is with His people. And just as you will see with Christ in the New Testament, who says to you and me, He will never leave me nor forsake me. That's the last line of Matthew. That you see, our God really is this way. That's not our problem. Our problem is you say, Dax, you skipped something. You skipped this favorite verse that I taped to my wall. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. This is one of the two verses that you know from, from, from Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for I'm with you wherever you go. And the other one's like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Those are the two. I, I know Joshua. I know these two verses. And you're skipping. Isn't there something you've got to do? You've got to be strong and courageous. That's the charge to Joshua, right? You're right. It is the charge to Joshua. It's here three, maybe four times. Three times by God and one time by somebody else. In this chapter, it's very important. Let's look at it. We need to look at the courage of Joshua. I'm putting his Hebrew name up there like I did with Yahweh. His Hebrew name is Yeshua. Be strong and courageous. And we know, if you just read verse 6 with me, you know, it's not about lifting weights. Be strong. Not about get it done. It's about be strong and courageous to realize God is with him always. Everything God says he's going to do. That God is with him every moment of his life. Know that absolutely, says God to Joshua. He repeats it in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, says God to Joshua, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. (laughs) Oh, what a great charge to Joshua. And it very much is be strong and courageous. It very much is reminded not to be afraid, not to be frightened. Why? Because God is with you always. And that gives you this strength, this courage. Not just that, huh? What does it mean to be strong and courageous? Doesn't it mean do the law of Moses? 
right? Be strong and courageous, he says. Be careful to do all the things Moses said. Be careful to meditate on it, to think on it, to know it, to, to, to get it in there, and then to do exactly what it says. This is your strength and courage. I think it says that. Before we really tackle that, I want to point something out. It's just amazing. and should be amazing to you. This is the God of the universe. He chose one man, Abraham, and he worked through Abraham. One guy. He chose one man, Moses, and he worked through Moses to give him the law. One man. And now here he is with one man. There's a million, two million people outside the door. He's talking to one man. He works through these individual people. You've got to start thinking, is this you? Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous to always know God is with you and to do all the law, all of it. Meditate on it, careful to do it. If you do it, you'll have good success. That's reasonable, but I hope you see it's very scary. What if you don't? Really, if you really take a close look at all the people up to this time, even the individuals God has worked with, they've been pretty imperfect. Well, Father Abraham. No. Remember how Father Abraham had a wife? And he decided out of fear to give his wife away to Pharaoh? It's in Genesis. Go read about it. But the really interesting thing is, after he does that, and God clearly says, that's not something you're to do, Abraham. No, duh. Then God gives him these amazing promises. He cuts a covenant with him. He tells him, your, your seed is coming through Sarah. I'm going to give you a son in your old age. Guess what he does just before he has the son? There's another king named Abimelech, and he's afraid of him. So he gives his wife again. Loser. I don't mean to speak down to Abraham. Abraham's amazing. God chose him. He's so incredibly blessed because he's chosen by God. Moses. Surely Moses, he got the law. He kept it perfectly, right? No, Moses isn't here. Why isn't Moses here? Because God told him clearly to his face, ask the rock for water. And so Moses picked up a stick and cracked it across the rock. Why did he do that? He's a disobedient person, like everybody. So here we have Joshua, and here's this statement to Joshua. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be, be able to do everything that you're supposed to do according to the law. Be careful, meditate on it, and you'll have good success from God. I know if I have half a brain, I'd be thinking, oh no. So let me ruin the story for you and tell you what's going to happen at the end. In chapter 24, Joshua will be buried. And it will be said of Joshua that they buried him in the land that God promised that they would inhabit. That Joshua all his life did exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. If you look through the Bible and you pick people and you start just, look, take David. If you really look at David's life, you'll see sin all over. All over. He was a man after God's own heart, but there's sin all over. If you look at Joshua... 
no sin. He did it. He did it. <laughs> if you want a hero in the Bible, you might not want to pick Moses, murderer. You might not want to pick David, adulterer. You might want to pick Joshua. God said, be strong and courageous and keep all this stuff. And Joshua did it. He did it. He did it. And so you know what we do? We take this verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be not frightened because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I take that verse and I stick it on my wall. And I say, let's apply it to me. Don't you? I know what's going to happen. Some of you guys are going to go home and you're going to take that verse and you're going to crumple it up and throw it away. <laughs> now that Dax has talked about it in this way. Well, before you do, what am I getting at? I'm, I'm wanting you to see this amazing response of this one leader that God rose up to, to actually take his people into the promised land of rest. It is, it is the land. It is the rest. It is the place they're going. And, and Joshua will lead them in. And when you start to take these verses and you say, here, be strong and courageous, and really, really, we have to add it all in to, to, to this. And what, what happens in our hearts, honestly, and what's been taught to you even, it, it makes you confused. Because if I put myself in the center of the story, you will end up in a place that is very unhealthy. I'm not taking one thing away from Joshua, who is strong and courageous. I'm wanting you to find you. So would you finish the chapter with me? I want to find your response. This amazing faithfulness of Yahweh, this courage that, that Yeshua has. Well, what, what's the chapter's not done. Let's finish it together. In verse 10, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. See what Joshua does. He immediately goes to the people, all the gathered people, the masses, and he says, get ready. I'm, we're going to go take the land the Lord has promised us. He's giving it to us. You notice something absent from what Joshua said. He didn't say, be strong and courageous, did he? He said, this is what's going to happen. Get ready. And then, and then he speaks directly, he says to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Joshua, Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Oh, that great promise of God. Remember, he's faithful. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives you rest, gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord has given them. And you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Well, that's just a lot of gobbledygook, Dex. What does it mean? Well, here's what it means. Two and a half tribes of the twelve had, had, had 
when they were going to the land that God had given, had decided they really liked the land that was just outside this land of promise. They liked the land on this side. And they went to Moses and said, can we have this land? And Moses said, sure, you can have this land. But when it comes time to take the land that God has given us, you got to come help. And then you can go back. Because the rest is the land that God gives. And so here Joshua comes and says, this is what you have to do to these people. And the two and a half tribes answer Joshua in verse 16. And they say, all that you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command them shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. End of chapter. Curtain comes down. So they say, yes, of course. We will do what you command. We will follow you. Only, only we're going to be very strong and courageous. No, not at all, huh? Only, they say, all these people gathered, Joshua, you be strong and courageous. Interesting. By the way, the, the gospel's raising its head. I think we might have found us. I mean, people who will say stuff like this. Just as we obeyed Moses, we will obey you. Remember how they obeyed Moses? <laughs> Whiners and complainers and revolters and the earth is opening up and swallowing people. It's just crazy sadness all over the place that you have these people who don't follow and obey. They say they will. That makes me laugh. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, verse 17, only may the Lord God be with you. You see, there's this thing that's happening, though. God is about to give them the land, and, and, and they recognize that the person that they really care about is Joshua, and they want God to be with Joshua, and they want Joshua to be strong and courageous, and you're going to be our hope, Joshua. I think there's a problem that we're going to get into if we try and put ourselves in the feet of Joshua. Because what I'm going to hear is, I need to be strong and courageous and do everything or else the Lord God won't bless me. And if you stand there, that path will eventually lead you either to despair because you don't or to pride because you think you do. If, on the other hand, you might associate yourself with the people you might see that the hope of the people was in the one man. And their hope was that that person would be strong and courageous and be obedient. Exactly. That's what's going on, right? We're not Joshua. We don't lead the people into the land and give them rest. We trust the one who does. We are not strong and courageous. We are weak and fearful. I know that perfect love casts out fear. But this idea that I'm getting strong, 
I am not, we are not obedient without sin, but we're brought in, right? But the one who does, if you, if you try and make yourself Joshua, you set up a paradigm that's going to fail because Joshua was commanded to obedience of the law, to be strong, to have courage, and, and, and he was. And if that's the way, go get stronger. But, but, but if instead you realize Joshua was the leader and we're the people and, and we aren't strong and courageous, we have to trust Joshua to be strong and courageous. Again, I hope you see the gospel. I hope you see that God works through one man. I hope you see that God pledges his presence with one man. And through the one man, the gift of God's rest comes. Do you start to see that the Old Testament might have something going on? Because you see, Moses brought the law, didn't he? And the Ten Commandments are fantastic. But the law didn't get Moses into the land. Moses died outside the land of promise. Joshua brought the people in. Yeshua. You know Yeshua. It's the same name as Jesus. Joshua, in Hebrew... Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. That's what Yeshua means. A redeemer would have a thousand years after Joshua, Jesus comes. It's not that Jesus is literally Joshua, but look, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Yeshua. The the rest that you get to have isn't the rest of Joshua, but Joshua points to the rest that, that the future Joshua brings. Jesus was strong, wasn't he? Even to death on a cross. Jesus was courageous. Jesus was careful to know all the law of God and to keep it. His obedience was perfect. Remember when Jesus got baptized and the heavens broke open and the, 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 the Holy Spirit like a dove and the voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom, in whom I'm well pleased. This is our Savior. He did it all. He's strong and courageous. Even to the point of death on a cross. If you want to see gospel, you have to open your eyes to the realities that you know. You can't just make a principle. I need to be strong and courageous. You will end up on the wrong path. Instead, see your Savior. He's here. Don't think I'm just finding Jesus under every rock. This view that I'm giving you, which is, which is this foreshadowing of a coming Christ, is the consensus view of the early church fathers. You can go down the list and find it. I'll read you one. Irenaeus in the second century. Irenaeus of Lyons. He said, it was appropriate that Moses should bring the people out of Egypt, but that Joshua should conduct them into the inheritance. Likewise, that Moses, as was the case with the law, should come to an end but that Joshua, as the word and no untrue type of the word made flesh, should be a preacher to the people. See what he's doing? Moses and the law gets you so far. Beautiful, right, true. Joshua takes you into the land. Joshua takes you into Canaan. Joshua brings you your rest. When we look through this, this book, we, we realize that Joshua points to Christ. And he wasn't just trying to be obedient. It's why I believe you never see Joshua sinning. 
You never see him fall. You always see him doing the right thing. That, I'm sorry, that is not you. It just isn't. It's not me either. I so long to be the hero. I want to be in the middle. I want to be the one who leads the charge. I want to be the one who God speaks to directly and be, be the one. And instead what I have is the steady promise of Jesus who is the one saying to me, you are in me. My obedience is for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. My God says that to me, but He says it in the person of my Joshua. Yeshua. Jesus. I hope that as we blow through Joshua and we're going to go through the whole book, that it will be an encouragement to you. And today especially, as we begin to see with these eyes, I will ask you to think about the reality that your God, the God that we worship, His faithfulness never ends. If you have His favor, you have it unceasingly. He's not in and out. He's not breaking it like some of our marriages get broken. He's not just hanging on with cold, dry fingers. His loving kindness is forever. You can take it to the bank. That, that the only issue is, is, is it set on you? And so you get to decide what path you will take. Will you try and make yourself Joshua and thereby be strong and courageous yourself and be obedient to the law yourself and thereby stand as one who has done the law in the presence of God? It is a dead end, I'm telling you, but it is an end many take. Or will you today stand in the obedience of somebody else? in the courage and strength of Yeshua, of Jesus, in the Son of God who's perfectly for you, who says, I've got a gift for you, who says, I'll take you to the promised land, who says, I'll give you the rest that never ends, who says there is a, a future for you if you trust Him. Right now and forever. This is why we're free. This is why we worship. And it's in Joshua too.